Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. All right, guys. Welcome to the outro Southern Outdoorsman Podcast from Mr. Bill Thompson's episode. Jacob, what did you think? Pretty excited. <laughs> Pretty jazzed up from it. It was a... 
It was fun. It was really good. Uh, I got into some topics that we hadn't previously covered that I was excited to kind of get to. But, again, each individual episode just gets me more and more excited for the next one. <laughs> so what I'm going to say right now is if you are not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed. Also, make sure you go over to the YouTube channel and make sure you're subscribed on the YouTube channel as well. That's one way you'll be able to see some of these video uh, podcasts uh, in the future uh, throughout different clips and stuff as we put those up there. So make sure you are subscribed to that. But, uh, Michael, you got to actually ask some questions this time. I'm like me just rambling the whole time, like last, the last episode. So what was your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I really wanted to know about the moon. Um I would really like to get some data on the moon as far as illumination and stuff. Figure out what what's going on. Still seems to be pretty inconclusive across the board because there's so much conflicting data. So uh, I think he was real hesitant about yeah talking about it too much. So I had a whole bunch of questions related to that, but um, I think that's probably going to have to wait until two or three thousand years. <laughs> well, hey, he'll probably have that before too long, especially if he gets some of this new stuff he was telling us about. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I like his idea of the whole control group using suburban deer, collared suburban deer, yep. where there's like street lights and garage lights, and seeing if uh, like basically a stereo and illumination keeps up with them. Um, so I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting. I'd love for him to look at that. I don't know because that would be a constant though, where like those lights are always on every single night. So it's like, do they just stay out later every single night, like more than other deer? I guess that would confirm it. I don't know, but it's pretty interesting. There's so many different ways to look at this information. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because I mean, then you've got people. Uh, it's like a uh, a variable that you can't really control for. You know, like is somebody outside playing basketball? Yeah. Next to where they're, you know, feeding at midnight. You know, or mm-hmm. are these people partying until three in the morning. Like, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know. There's just a lot of variables there. I don't know about you. I haven't been to many parties on some public land, so I don't know what kind of parties you're you're all into. <laughs> some pretty good ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll invite you next time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for thinking, <laughs> thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the thing with Tony Myers uh, because that jumped into my head. I took a note of it on my phone because if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. Mm, but no, nothing slips past the old <laughs> the old goatee. <laughs> One of the things that. Uh, that Tony said that really I think kind of correlated with what Bill was saying was he's like, you're going to have all your deer like in one spot and you're going to have like your concentrated sign right there. And your big old bucks are going to be like just hanging around outside of that, like little satellites, you know, and they're just going to be like keeping tabs, but not participating in all the stuff. Um, so I don't know. It kind of brings up an interesting tactic, I guess, of, of like locating mature deer, kind of find those hub, like central hubs of activity where you find like the most just deer sign, like does and everything else, and then kind of look around that. Although I think that almost makes it sound too kind of cut and dried because mm-hmm. it's like, well, a lot of people are just trying to find that hub of deer activity. You yeah. know, that's like, that's a whole different, right. That's Hold a whole different thing. Game. Yeah. So I don't know. Kind of talk myself in a circle there. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, one thing I found interesting is, you know, it's all based off different parts of the area of the country. Because uh, I know some guys that hunt at River Bottom. You know, I'm thinking of um, uh, Richard Fott. And <clears throat> when he's killing these bucks in these areas, uh, in, in these river bobs on feed trees, there's other deer in the area. Like, it's all tore up. It's not like it's just that buck coming to that one tree. So, you know, I would say, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, what we're talking about, because where you might be hunting, some of this may not 
perfectly align with your population of your whitetails on the property that you're hunting on. Yep. So that that, that is a, it's a another one of those regional differences, or could be. So Absolutely. I was uh, I was kind of let down in this uh, video podcast, Jacob Myers. I didn't get near as many hand signals and just diving deeps and all this stuff. I know you've been talking got, it up, man. I know I got one one fist pump from you, and that was it. Usually, I mean, it's so much more animated. Yeah, so much more. Like, it's not even close. I feel like we need to secretly film a podcast when he doesn't know, and right. then it would end up being... No, well, well, first off, Mike was, like, turned directly at, you know, Bill. And, you know, I was trying to touch him and stuff, and Mike would never look at me. I'm, like, poking him, and he's like... I, <laughs> could, I could feel you. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to breathe could, on him. I could I'm feel, like, feel you know? poking me, Jacob. Yeah, hey, hey easy, yeah. easy. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Like I said, I'll invite you to one of those parties one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Um, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought after that, Jacob. Oh, man. See, Good job. That's what I specialize in. Losing my own Poking train of thought. people? Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, the his whole – the thing about Bill is as we keep, continue to have these conversations, and even in this episode, there was a couple things in this episode that we had hit on in a little more generality on the first episode that we retouched on this episode that I found was kind of interesting. You know, talked about the saddles again. Um, and I was talking a little bit about canopy and, and that kind of cover. Um, but it was good to kind of rehear some of those similar topics of what we had previously discussed, but have a little bit different twist on that. Um, again, Bill's is full of so much knowledge from just what he's finding from the study. It's not his personal, um, observations from like what he's seeing in the stand. It's what he's seeing from these college studies, looking at hundreds of deer from, you know, across the country. Uh, but a lot of those deer being in the Southeast, which is where, you know, we're currently based at and a lot of our listeners as well. So it's very, very interesting to kind of see that data and, and see him be able to pick it apart and pull that stuff apart. But for the next episode, very, very excited about it. Again, make sure you subscribe. I'm going to say this probably 12 times in this outro, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, for the future episodes with Bill but the next episode I'm very, very excited about because it's something that uh, a lot of people, I think, have questions on. But it's, it's something that it's interesting to see what people's observations are versus what the GPS. What reality is. Yeah, what GPS studies are showing with these mature bucks and how they're using different aspects of their landscape. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like, you know, I always said this too. Being a fisherman, especially like crappie fisherman, it would be so awesome if you get a GPS, like some kind of GPS study with crappie and you had them tagged. And I know exactly where their little, you know, their little brush piles and everything are at, dude. <laughs> and just go in there and just kind of, you know, use that knowledge to my advantage a little bit. You know, dropping a, you know, not, yeah. middle of summer might be dropping a minnow down there or, you know, springtime might be dropping a, you know, throwing a jig down. But uh, it's interesting to kind of see from a, the GPS studies of how we can kind of use some of this stuff possibly to our advantage, especially off, you know, larger uh, movements but yeah uh he uh, the saddle thing still just fascinates me about what he was saying where mature bucks just aren't using saddles mm. like other deer yep. that really is interesting to me um i like i don't know how that really plays out like where we hunt but i'm curious about it i want to explore it more i think in real big hill country I, I, for some reason i keep, I keep thinking of like ohio for some reason and um but, like, Brad's book, uh, Mapping Trophy Bucks, like, and again, anyone that was watching the podcast, you saw that. But that was the book that uh, Bill had brought up earlier was, you know, he brought that book up and said, you know, back before this book came out, you know, saddles were like the golden ticket because very little people knew about them. 
once that book came out and it kind of spread and kind of like, you know, wildfire grew and grew, grew, and like more people talking about more and more people started to look for those saddles. And he's like, you know, over generations of deer, you know, maybe in some areas where people hunt saddles very, very, um, often that they are just conditioned to not go through those areas in certain areas of the country. Uh, or at least like these mature bucks, these mature bucks just know not to go through that area and they're going to go, you know, through a different avenue to get up and over that ridge or maybe not even go over the ridge. Maybe they're just dropping down like what Bill's talking about. They're bedding in an area where they can either visually see or see and smell uh, what's happening through that saddle. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's all about the conditioning. Again, you know, it's the whole conditioning aspect is, you know, was it uh, um, Glenn Solomon talked about like Pavlov's dog? Their dogs. Um, when we did his episode, episode one sixteen, Pavlov, Pavlov's, Pavlov, pa- pa- whatever. How do you Law? say? It? <clears throat> Somebody say it, please. <laughs> you said it right. Oh, okay. There okay. was a dog involved. Just no I mean, do- dog. dog. No plural, plural. No, the study. Yeah, law. It's a uh, law, but uh, it's about a dog. Okay, yeah. dog. Yeah, with the ring and the bell and everything. Yeah. Make him drool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got this. <clears throat> Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it. Drink you another. Right there. Oh my god. <laughs> mm. Video podcast is gonna be really entertaining, guys. But. Glenn Solomon talked about that in uh, some of these areas that are very high pressured on these quota hunts. <clears throat> that midday, when people were out of the woods by ten o'clock in the morning, like those book those bucks knew, and that's when they were back on their feet and they were kind of moving and mm-hmm. covering ground, and not even during the rut, just like all times of the year. And it's like the same thing with a lot of this. It's all about the conditioning and like what that hunting pressure is like in those areas. Yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed as I was making this latest Patreon video we put up, uh, where I was looking at this deer's movement, you know, day by day. Um, and kind of breaking it down in this like video. It's like 30 minutes long that I put on Patreon today. So if you want to see it, go join Patreon. Um, but one thing that was kind of cool, and somebody else actually pointed this out too, that was doing another GPS study, where when you look at them and you look at their movements like in their more secure areas, it's like real sporadic and it's kind of all over the place and there's a lot of turns and they go like short distances versus – when they go out to food sources, whether it be at night or during the day, when they leave those secure areas, they travel like straight lines. Not literally a straight line, but they're like moving a long distance, you know, with a purpose. They're not turning, you know, because if you have an hour between two points, he might move three quarters of a mile, you know, between those two points. He might have bobbed and weaved through there and everything, but he's like, you know, he's he's on a beeline going to where he's going. It's not like he's just meandering around, which... Uh, it's just another kind of interesting thing. And and it like, it held up for like that whole month. You know, like the more I go through it, the more I notice that. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let's speak about that. By the way, how long did that video take you to make? <coughs> like, well, not just the video, but like, just like the map and everything for that deer. Like, I mean, like total time since I started on it or like hours that I worked on it. I mean, it took me like two weeks to do it. (laughs) So I don't know how many hours I put into it, but it took about two weeks. Reason why I say that, that's one reason why we're releasing a lot of that stuff on Patreon, guys. Um, It is very time-consuming because Andrew, as we call him the wizard or the whiz, um, has a lot to go through with with just this one study that we have access to, which is 191,000 data points. Uh, It's taking a very, very long time for him to put together a lot of this kind of information, build it out from just – you know, X, Y, I don't know, what would you call it? It's, yeah. like, it's like code. Pretty much like looking at code <laughs> on the study yeah. to be able to put it into like useful 
points on a map and actually building the map around it as well. It takes a lot of time. So that's one reason why we're releasing a lot of this stuff on Patreon. It is slowly going to come out on social media, but majority of this stuff, especially uh, as it comes out for us, uh, and as Andrew completes uh, you know, these different maps and these different videos, breaking down these different bucks, it's going to go directly to Patreon first. And then at some point in the future, uh, I think we've talked about a couple different options where we you know, may try to drop some of that stuff like every other week or something like that on social media just so that y'all can, whoever's not on Patreon can still see some of this information, but the people that are on Patreon is going to get by far the most information yep. uh, from these different studies and also other stuff um, as well coming out, uh, which I am, I did want to make a quick announcement, by the way, uh -oh. while we're talking about Patreon. We have officially, I think I lost count, I think it's eight, eight or nine companies that we have on board so far for uh, Patreon uh, our Patreon partnership program, uh, which will be sponsoring, they will be sponsoring a uh, giveaway every single month uh, with between uh, eight to ten winners every single month from directly from our Patreon accounts and Patreon members of a, right at five hundred dollars uh, value as of right now. And it's slowly growing, so hopefully, uh, maybe by the time this episode comes up, we're at six hundred dollars per month. But it's gonna be a monthly giveaway, and by far, I think it's gonna be the biggest giveaway that I'm currently aware of that any kind of show or anything like that is doing in the hunting in the hunting realm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to be kind of cool. Again, that's going to be for our Patreon members. I want to thank you guys a lot. All of our Patreon members are already on there supporting us and checking out all this cool stuff that we're putting out there directly to you guys. And again, you know, anyone that joins that, uh, especially if you're, you have to be at the, what we call the ginger bow hunter tier or above, you'll get access <laughs> to those uh, giveaways, which is going to be fantastic every single month. But yeah, boy, Mike, what do you think about that? I like it. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, People don't realize, you know, we have normal lives, and uh, there's a lot of extra time that goes into this stuff. I mean, just to come down here and do these podcasts, I'm driving an hour and a half one way, once or once or twice a week, twice maybe even three times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, last week I spent three days down here. So <laughs> but, just need um, to get a place down here, man. Yeah, I know. But um, yeah, I mean, it just helps us out. So, I mean, it's not like we're making anything. Uh, everything that we're getting right now is going back into stuff for the podcast. It's going back mm -hmm. to you guys. So, um, it's not like we're pocketing any money. Um, yeah, we haven't got, taken a paycheck in three yeah. years. No paychecks. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the advertisers, I mean, that just started. I mean, so mm -hmm. the listeners have gotten years worth of ad-free content. Yeah. Like over 250 episodes probably, so. Easily. Oh, yeah. Definitely mm -hmm. over 250, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of time and effort, plus all the run and gun stuff. Um, we just uh, spent a bunch of money on stickers. Um, oh, and yeah. There they are. We've got some uh, some new uh, shirts coming out and eventually hats. So, all of that money is coming, you know, out of our pocket. So, yep. Um, to, to put that bill to, to get them there. So, uh, that way you can kind of buy them yeah yeah so anyways long story short we appreciate yeah. all y'all's support it is very time consuming for what we're trying to do with the podcast and the videos and everything else we got a lot of huge things that we're trying to work on over the next few months uh it's gonna take up even more of our time um but again hopefully y'all been enjoying the con uh, the conversation and the content that we've been putting out and just be you know very excited for the stuff coming out in the future not only from the podcast uh, but also uh, videos and stuff like that as well but um other than that, I mean, what is kind of y'all's – I want to try to transition off this a little bit to getting towards, like, this season, um, especially, like, the different habitats and everything that, you know, we're kind of talking about hunting in these different areas. Um, you know, Mike, from what's been going on this summer and what you've heard from so many guys, what is now kind of your approach for what you're talking about doing possibly for this fall, um, especially, you know, since talking to old Mr. Perry? 
He's like, don't you be finding my spots, man. This podcast is supported by Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms, and that's where Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android built by Sears Hunters that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands or saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items is also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a, a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family-owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles for everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Mark's Outdoors on board and we thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. Um, There's a lot of stuff that you know, kind of got my wheels turning, that's for sure. Um, like the conversation about the canopy, uh, I already knew, I mean, I think we all knew that the cover is going to hold the deer, um, which is a little bit harder down here because there's so much of that. Uh, but, I mean, these deer were focusing, I guess, they're spending a lot of time in certain draws. They're feeding in certain locations or on certain ridges. And they kept going back there. I mean, like the one that you pointed out, what like a week or two ago, they were he went there like twenty four nights in a row or something. Yeah, he went there twenty four nights in a row, twenty six nights total out of the month. Yeah, I mean he was there all the time, and he was there in daylight some too. But yeah, yeah. so I mean that kind of stuff is interesting. It just it makes you rethink, you know, all the things that you've heard uh, previously, like some of this GPS information, like. They're not always on the top. They're not always on the bottom. You know, there's a, a really good mix. So, you know, I don't think you're going to be doing a disservice if you're hunting in the bottom or the top. Like, I mean, there's, you know, chances to kill deer at both locations. So um, you just got to get in there and put the boots on the ground and find the sign. And that's another thing is, like, not worrying necessarily about the wind as much anymore because it seems to be, like, a non-factor from I mean, what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it just... I think if you're in the area, you're in the area, and that's what you need to focus on is getting in there, finding the sign, uh, anything that is telling you that the deer are in there, whether it be tracks, whether it be feed sign, um, tore up leaves, um, whether or not you're finding beds, jumping deer. um, I think the more time you spend covering some ground, the more sign you're going to find, and you're going to get into them a little bit quicker. 
instead of just um, looking at a map, maybe necessarily, uh, and just, you know, going and hunting a spot just based off of, you know, e-scouting. I mean, it, it can put you in a, a good general area. Yeah. But I think the boots on the ground is what's going to seal the deal. Yeah, I agree. Jacob? No, I've got nothing else other than, I mean, agreements of that. You know, Bill talks about this a lot. You know, he's got a lot of different studies to pull from, from things that he's kind of learned from these different studies. But, you know, the biggest thing he always talks about is boots on the ground. Like, you can't beat boots on the ground. Like, you can aerial scout, you can do all that kind of stuff. But to truly confirm what you think, like, your theory is going on in this area, you have to put boots on the ground and make sure the sign's there. And also make sure that the deer and the deer quality is there that you're wanting to hunt. That was one thing, by the way, last week's episode um, with uh, Chris Lewis from South Carolina, listener Chris, um, talking to him. And we had a bunch of kind of discussion about scouting and everything else and, you know, whether or not to step on sign or just kind of keep putting boots on the ground and stuff like that. But it was kind of cool uh, talking to him of, like, how much stuff he's learned in such a short period of time. And he's been bumping deer. And Mike, you talked about, like, if you're not bumping deer, sometimes to f- truly know if he's living there, you've got to go bump him and figure out, okay, and then once you bump him, what can you learn from that? Like, why was he in that spot? Was he up and moving and, like, feeding or, like, cruising through? Was he in a transition area or was he truly in his bed when you went to bump him uh, in that area? And just, like, play off that and learn off that. And then use what you're hearing from, you know, from some of these different episodes as well of, like, how you can apply that for those areas and, like, what's going to be your best setup. Because every situation is different. Every buck's different and everything else like that. So, and also another thing that um, about with Chris's episode, you know, he's like, well, you know, to be able to kill that real big buck, he, he just gave an example of, like, a 10-point, you know, what's it going to take to do that? And, Mike, you brought it up, and I think we were all thinking, too, like, you have to hunt where those deer are at. Mm-hmm. You know, if, that, if the outlier in that area for one of every, you know, 40 mature bucks or 50 mature bucks is that 140-inch 10-point or whatever and just throwing out a random number, um, that's you're not going to have a very high odds of killing that deer if that's truly your goal. I'm just making up a number, say your goal is 140 inches. Uh, my goal would be, you know, a, like a mature buck, and he could be a legal six-point, okay, on one of these properties. And if he's five and a half years old, he's getting shot, yep. okay? Now, also, that, that's one reason where we, we where we hunt, we have three-buck tags, which is different from some of these states that it's a one-buck state. Uh, Kentucky and – is Ohio a one-buck state? I'm trying, I'm trying to think some other states. Andrew doesn't know anything. He's over here. He's like, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. But um, It doesn't really matter to me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But um, that's the thing. Is like you got to be where those bucks are at and taking this information and kind of playing it out and trying to figure out where those bucks are you know, going to be. It's, it's huge. But my thing is I'm, I'm just very curious about just how different these mature bucks move through areas compared to, like, the other general deer, like immature bucks and your does and everything yeah. else. So. Yep. We'll have to dig into it some more. Well, I mean, so talking about this upcoming season, y'all have any, like, updates or anything, anything y'all been doing, getting out scouting or anything like that? I've been spending most of my time down here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob? I'm right there with Mike. <laughs> you live down here. <laughs> I know. I spent a lot of time down here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're busy, dude. Got lots of yeah. No, um, I think a couple things um, – a couple things I, I thought about was uh, planning – oh, I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Never mind. You know what we were talking about earlier? And I was telling about Mike was going to help me out with something? No. Yeah, yeah you do. Um, getting something signed off on. 
Anyway, she okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you better not say that on the podcast. Yeah, uh, anyways, we're, we're <laughs> okay. I remember now. Yeah, okay. I have no clue. You'll have to tell me after. Y'all are slow, but uh, anyways, we've got some cool trips planned, but it's just trying to figure out how we're going to go about bouncing around through early season. Um, you know, whether we're going to be up in Tennessee a whole bunch or staying down here out in the October first opener here or what. Um, but one thing I think we talked about that's going to be interesting is trying a new piece of property. Me and Andrew, I know you me have talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just quite a bit different from other places we've hunted. Oh, yeah. Like, quite a bit different. And, like, you, you've been out there driving a couple other times and, like, checking some stuff out. And you talked about it a little bit last week's episode yeah. with Chris, but we never went into, like, the details. So, I mean, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I forgot. Um, so, yeah, when we interviewed him, we didn't do the outro for that one. So, uh, yeah, I went down and scouted this new property. So, up to that point, I'd just been driving the roads, kind of looking for tracks and everything, and getting, like, a feel mm. for the place and lay of the land hey, and all that. By the way, I'm going to interrupt you real quick and you're going to continue. I want to talk about that, about the importance of driving roads on new properties. Mike, I know you, like, specialize in this, but Andrew, keep going. So, yeah, I just I was just driving the roads for the first probably, like, maybe even three or four times that I went out there, and I was just seeing, like, which roads are open, where the mud holes are, you know, like, where the food plots are at. Uh, trying to cut big tracks, and I never really cut a set of tracks that was, like, super impressive to me. Um, but there's so much land out there that I can't get to in the truck that I'm not real worried about it. Um, and so for the first time the other day, I finally actually got out there and walked it. And uh, what I did was I looked at basically the the whole property. I looked at the property as a whole, and I looked for, like, two things that I was looking for. I was looking for an area that was diverse, but not an area that was too diverse. And it's, this is kind of hard to explain, but um, I wanted like a pocket of diversity in a bunch of stuff that wasn't diverse at all. So I'm not going to say exactly what it looks like because it'll be a giveaway, but you got this big area that is all the same stuff basically. And then there's this SMZ that runs through it. It's like a big Creek drainage. And, uh, that creek drainage is very diverse. There's like, there's mature pines, there's hardwoods, there's cutovers of different ages, all kind of right there. And it's like a, I don't know, 200 acre area and like a thousand acre area. That's like real diverse. And, uh, so I took that SMZ and walked it up and, uh, found like two thermal hubs up there that, that run right through the middle of all this diversity. So I walked the creek straight up to the first thermal hub and I got there and I just scouted the whole perimeter of it, kind of like I told Chris on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And I just I walked the perimeter of that whole thermal hub and kind of found like all the entry and exit routes, mapped out where all the buck sign was. And uh, it was pretty interesting doing that because the, all the buck sign I found was on the downstream sign of the thermal hub. And there was like a little knob up above it where this like knob comes out and then it drops straight down into that hub. And it's like a pretty abrupt, abrupt drop. And uh, these deer had beds like all, there's like a soft edge right there where the cutover falls down into the hardwoods. And right there on that edge, there's a big beech tree just hanging over like perfect, perfect licking branches, like big as my thumb twisted up. Uh, and they were just, they're scraped out and everything and it looked great. And there's beds all around it. I mean, like within sight of the scrape, there was like beds worn down to dirt all over the place. Uh, so they're like definitely using it right now, but I'm assuming they use it in season too. And then there's a couple of white oaks right there next to it. And they're all, they all have acorns in them. And, uh, I confirmed, like looked up in the trees and they all, they've all got them. 
And so I was like, wow, I really should have brought a cell camera and put it right here. <laughs> speaking about that, where, where, where are your cell cameras that you talked about putting out back in June? Right there in my closet. <laughs> in the box, right? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> he said he's going to give you crap about it. <laughs> yeah, I deserve it. Oh, so, yeah, I really should have brought a camera in there because um, that spot needs a cell camera real bad. So, um, well, You want to tell you how you put a cell camera in there? I walk in there and stick it on a tree. Put it in your backpack. Take it with you next time. <laughs> go buy batteries for it, and you know. Put oh it yeah, out he's there. like, he said, I can't go put it out because I can't get batteries. I'm like, batteries are fifteen bucks for a pack of li- like, well, maybe not <laughs> lithiums, but actually, yeah, a pack of lithiums. Dude, if you on. get them off Amazon, come on now, you can't. Yeah. Well, yeah, I gotta get batteries. I gotta go, but I have to go put a camera in that spot for sure. It looks so good, and it's the access is obscure enough that uh, I don't think anybody else is really hunting it. I think people are hunting around it. But, but to get down into this spot, you, I don't know, just, it's not something that people would normally do. Cause you have to, I hesitate to even say this, but you have to walk to a food plot, but there's like a gate and you got to walk past the gate to a food plot. And then you got to get off the food plot and get in the Creek and walk up the Creek to the thermal hub. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't give too much away, but yeah. So, um, so I don't know. It doesn't look like question. Or, question I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. With this spot. Is there anything covered down low in, in the in the drainage? Yeah, so uh, there's there's parts where this cutover drops all the way down to the creek just about, and there's thick, there's like little thickets, exactly like what Michael Perry talks about, where these the, the thick cover kind of spills down off the edges and connects at the creek, and it's a band of thick cover going through. Um, there's a lot of deer sign in that, but I didn't find any obvious buck sign. Well, the reason, well, um, I'm asking, so like, because I'm thinking also about what uh, Bill talked about, kind of, especially early in the season, these bucks bedding lower or on some of these days bedding lower. Like, is there the habitat down there that would make sense for a buck to bed in? Or does he have the advantage in that bottom of that that thermal hub to be able to catch all those thermals up above him if it's a, you know, super overcast day? So that's the thing. Uh, The hills here are pretty significant. So I don't really know how the thermals are going to be acting. It's going to be way different than anything we've ever hunted for sure. Uh, Just because of like the size of the hills and everything. Where all those beds were around the scrape, I have a feeling that a buck would probably bed pretty close to that. Um, just it's kind of, it's hard to explain, but he's like he's on like the bottom, like eighth of the ridge. Oh it's wow! A, it's a big ridge. So this it, knob is very very low on the ridge. Oh, so for some reason I was thinking the scrape was up higher, so the scrape's down low. I'm no, thinking no. I'm thinking this this sounds very much like a rut bed. Like so, sounds to me like they could be the does could be bedded up in. Mm-hmm. Some of those draws are leading, what the draws lead up to possibly. And I, need then, to, I need to show you the spot. And then leading over to the greenfield, like he's trying to intercept. Hey, yeah, hey, he video, explained all that. No, it's, it's a video podcast. I don't know. It's a video podcast. Just show us all, Andrew. You know, listen, uh, listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull it up on the map. But okay, the ridge <laughs> is this tall. Okay, your thermal hub is way down here. We got his feet to the fire now. Like, <laughs> so like the the ridge is like this tall. Hey, see, and your thermal hub is down here. Okay. Right here is like, this is like the knob. Okay. This little amplifier. This is why you need to watch the podcast, guys. Okay. Do you see, like, that's how low it is in comparison. It's like way down there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's overlooking it. And there's a faint trail coming out of it. And it's beat up with tracks. I couldn't really tell how big they were because it's in the leaves. But it's got tracks in it. And it's uh, swooping out of that and going right past that scrape, like a faint trail. And then it drops down into that thermal hub and then kind of disappears. Uh, so this thermal hub, he can go up the main part, and he go he can go up to like more food, 
or he can go up another branch and go up up and over the ridge and get to other like food sources. So it's a uh, it's pretty interesting. Do you have a saddle in that thermal hub? No. Oh, there's no saddle. Well, so again, there's saddles on the ridge tops, and they're 200 feet higher, like legit 200 feet higher um, than the bottom of the thermal now, hub. Now so. we're getting real specific on these. Yeah, areas. maybe we is, are. Uh, <laughs> is that trail that he? He's overlooking. Is that leading from possible bedding to that greenfield? No, the, like these beds, I wouldn't even. I don't think that he's bedding in these beds in the in the in deer season. These are like right now beds. Ba- bachelor group beds. Yeah, this is like a bachelor group bed. There's okay. like five of them all around there, like right next to the scrape. There's two, like five feet from the scrape, up on the other side of the beech tree, up against the thicket, and then you go on that little trail into the thicket, and there's like three more. Uh, all in a line right there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bachelor group, which is why I want a camera there right now. I was about to say that may be like an early season. Remember when we uh, interviewed Andre DeQuista? Mm-hmm. He was talking about those early season licking branches. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Them oh. trying to figure out the pecking order. That's exactly I mean, that's what, it what sounds, I think it is. Sounds you, like it could be. You know what You know would have been so awesome? If he'd have put a camera up there. Oh, man. <laughs> God. Oh, my Lord. Hey, by the way, would you even have a would you even have a cell signal there? Yep. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You got great cell signal oh, there. I'm glad you would, because my, my thing unless you got Verizon right now. Yeah. 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 Don't. Yeah. Don't <laughs> even get me started about that, dude. Holy crap! Oh, sorry. We just had someone tags and something. It's kind of wild. <laughs> I'll only screenshot this because it's a story. Look at that, Mike. So hold on. I'm totally derailing the conversation, but we had old, some old boy tag us, and uh, it's an aerial image of uh like a thicket and he's like uh how many hunters can you count look at that look at that party of hunters walking in holy cow i, I don't know look at that is that the wolf pack <laughs> dude that is uh, that's like i don't know eight ten did you show, did you show him your shirt yeah dude, i'm just rapping <laughs> what <laughs> yeah got accepted to the wolf pack yep honorary um, members okay so so let me ask a little bit like more about this area i mean how would you expect you know, the deer to use this come season, especially like early season, but also like kind of later on, you know, close to that pre-rut, rut time frame. I mean, do you think it would be effective this area or would it be too open? Like kind of what are you thinking based off habitat? I think they'll be in it. Um, I think what they're probably going to do is come out probably by where that scrape is and like, and I'm talking early season. I think that they might come out right there because again, it's it's a nice soft edge. And there's going to be food on that edge, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like there's all kinds of green stuff right there, but there's oaks that are going to be dropping right onto that edge and maybe into it a little bit. Um, So I think that they're probably going to come down out of the thick cover and they're probably going to stand on or near that edge until it gets dark. And then they're going to go down into that thermal hub. So uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to get back in there with multiple cameras and maybe put a cell camera on like the scrape or something, but then the the trail when it comes out it it kind of splits and one of them goes up by the scrape like I said the other one is and it's really faint which is another thing that makes me think it's a buck trail and there's rubs up and down it like whip mm-hmm. rubs mm-hmm. like early se- like well, what you typically see early season what's a, what's a whip rub just explain like it for like saplings like as big as your finger that are just like shredded messed up and that's like an early season thing we see a lot. I mean, I don't see early season like just giant rubs all the time. I think bucks are like rubbing the smaller trees. Um, and so, yeah, there's these faint trails, and they've got those down from last year. Uh, and it leads down to a creek crossing. So I want to put a camera up there 
and then I want to put a camera on that creek crossing, and I want to see, like, when he comes out and he takes this trail, like, how how long is it taking him to get down to that creek crossing? You know what I'm saying? Mm. If he uses that trail. So it's like, does he come out 45 minutes before dark and stand there and chew his cud and look around, and then 10 minutes after legal light, he, he just pops right down and, you know, crosses what, that creek? That's what it sounds like, especially with all the wood probes you're talking about. It sounds like a stationary for early season. Question, yeah. did you go down to that creek crossing? Did you find any tracks? Yep. Any big ones? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, it's kind of hard. It was kind of gravelly, so oh. it's kind of hard to tell. Um, and, and they were going up the bank. They were, like, splayed out, and they were dug in, but it was going uphill, so I can't really – I mean, it could be a big track, but I don't know if it's, like, a doe that slid or, or what. Um, like I said, didn't find any, like, super impressive tracks, but, I mean, I've killed big bucks with small feet, so I'm not, like, 100% on that. It's nice to find huge tracks, but I don't know the the isolation of the spot and everything has me feeling pretty good because I didn't. I mean, I walked it real thoroughly, and I didn't find a tree stand. I didn't find flagging tape, cat eyes, trash, like nothing. Like I mean, and I was looking because I was expecting because it's the kind of spot where you'd expect to find that stuff, but it's hard enough to access that, weird enough to access that. I don't think people are doing it because the the good access for it is off the hilltops. And nobody's walking down into that crap, like having to walk. Because the hills, like I said, the hills here are no joke. So I don't think anybody's dropping down to it. So I think the deer probably feel perfectly safe in there. And I've got really good access with the creek, too, because I can just walk right up the creek in knee boots or something. And it'd be silent and stay low and kind of concealed. And I can just pop right up on that knob, you know, walk 25 yards up from the creek, like kind of go up that hill, get to the edge of it. And I've already got the tree picked out. I got a big poplar. I'm gonna throw my climber on. Afternoon or morning sits? I don't know. Probably afternoon. Sounds to me like afternoon. No, that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I mean, you probably could hunt it on a morning sit. It, you just need to give yourself a lot of time to get in there clean and like really take your time sneaking in. But Same what? thing with the afternoon. If like what I'm planning on doing, October 15th rolls around that that weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go in on Saturday at like 10 or 11 a.m. and I'm just going to like very slowly creep up that creek drainage and very slowly creep up towards that scrape and then very slowly put my climber on and climb up that tree until I'm at hunting height. So I don't know. It might take three hours, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not really that far of a walk. It's just like I said, it's just kind of a weird access path. Hmm. So. I'm excited. I I was like I was pretty pumped about it. And and the other thing that makes me real excited about it is the middle of the hub has all the white oaks. When I was looking at it, all of the all of the fingers that come off, you start going up in elevation and it's like pine, magnolia and beech. Ma- really? Magnolia. Magnolia. This is this is a little too specific, my man. <laughs> so, there's no there's like hardly any oaks when you start going up these little fingers. So I'm like, like you're talking about getting up on these little secondary ridge points, going are, up the drainages, drainages, going up the drainages that feed into that yep, thermal hub. Yep, yep, yep. And there's just there's not many oaks at all. So I know, I know where you're hunting now. <laughs> he was too specific. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. Now it looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Mike's like dropping a pin right now. Drop a pin. Drop a pin and find out. Now, um, 
Okay, so this is what I want to get to is uh, driving roads. Mike, I know we talked about on the podcast before, but can you talk about, like, when you're on a new property, how you like to drive roads? Not only, like, you're trying to cut tracks, but just to try to find deer movement and crossing at different times of the day and night? Yeah, so when I drive the roads, um, if you're doing it early season, like during the summer, I'll wait for those afternoon thunderstorms or those midday thunderstorms. This year should be, like, the best time in the world because you've got just about – a storm rolling through about every six to 12 hours. It seems yeah. like, I mean, so <laughs> I mean, you hard can get rain too. You can get pretty precise, like with the movement. Um, but besides that, I, I mean, the only other time that I drive the roads is like around, um, really the best time when I'm traveling like a really far distance and I'm hunting like the rut. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the other time that I, that I do that uh I usually will start driving the roads I'll I'll try to get to an area early so let's say like around two or three o'clock in the morning and I'll just start driving roads and see if I can see deer like crossing the roads in front of me or feeding somewhere like under a light you know next to some private mm-hmm. a lot of your does like to hang out around the private so um, those are good areas to look at especially if you have that within the area that you can hunt um, now, what information, what are you getting from both the, like, early season, like, after a thunderstorm cutting tracks versus what you're finding, like, during the rut when you're actually actively looking for deer crossing roads? Like, what information are you getting from that, and how does that play into a factor of how you're going to use that information? Well, during the summertime, it lets me know where I need to put a camera out. So, I'll put the cameras up in those areas, especially if I'm cutting a bunch of tracks, um, and they're consistent in those crossings. Uh, I'll usually put them up there, and I can figure out you know, where they're going, like if they're going from one side of the road and then crossing over in the evening, then I'm assuming that the bedding is on one side of the road, food is on the other. And um, then once I'm, you know, actively hunting them, uh, I'm just trying to locate the deer because, um, I mean, if you can locate deer, then, I mean, you can kind of branch out from there. I mean, those deer are not going too terribly far. So as soon as you can find the deer, you can start looking at the areas where you think that, you know, there might be some cover that's going to hold these deer. So, uh, that's what I usually do. So if you see a deer, if like, say it's like, we're talking now, we're transitioning towards like the rut and you're driving roads. If you see like some does or maybe even a good buck or something like crossroad, it's 4 a.m. And they're going from one side to the other side. What are you doing? I mean, pulling up the maps. Like, what are you doing once you see that? Yeah. If it's 4 a.m. and they're going from one side and crossing road to the other, I'm assuming they're going from food back to bed at that time. So I'm usually going in that direction and starting my, you know, work looking for basically the cover and stuff. And I'm just, you know, taking a pretty good, you know, chunk of land and just dissecting it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just jump in, at, you know, at the best spot and just start hunting. Mm-hmm. So I guess that plays a big factor, especially on areas that you just don't have maybe a whole bunch of boots on the ground experience because you're going to an area new or it's been a long time since you've been in there, as in it might be a month and a half since you've been there. So you're trying to find the most up-to-date recent information and there you don't get more recent than actually actively seeing that deer cross right and and they're really pretty close to those roads at that time from what i've seen like 4 a.m like seems to be like a magic time like around that four to five like they're they're hanging pretty close to those roads from what i've seen yeah and at some point they're just especially in these areas that we're in where there's there is so many roads it's not like you're in a big wilderness area where 
you have like one road in, one road out, or something like that, or just like one road and you get a hike all the way in. All yeah. these areas you can drive two or three different roads and get like go around like a whole like circle of an area that might be only like one square mile, might be six hundred and sixty acres. But you can go almost all the way around it on roads and kind of see, you know, are there deer actively going in and out of that, you know, cover type. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's also probably important if you're hunting an area that has a lot of, like, timber company land or, like, diversity on different age pines and cutovers and stuff. You can kind of see, you know, what tree block or what wood block they're jumping from one side to the other side and possibly why are they going through there and kind of use it to your scouting advantage as well. Yep. Awesome. Uh, also, when you're doing that, if you find deer, especially during season, that are crossing the roads like that, I mean, how often are you pulling up the map and trying to figure out, okay, most likely, like, what is their bedding location going to be like? like? What's playing a factor for that? And then also, like, any terrain types or edges that you're looking at, like, they're probably going to be crossing through at some point at this area. Yeah, the first thing I do is mark their – I go ahead and I stop, hit the brakes. I go ahead and mark it, and that way I have an exact spot – and then I can go back and look at it like once I stop driving. So I'll go through and if I drive for two hours and I mark up five different, you know, deer or groups of deer that I, you know, I pass by, then I have those five pins and then I can go back and I still have a little bit of time, you know, before daylight where I can just sit and try to, you know, figure out, Hey, did I see a, a good buck at this one spot? And then I look at that one spot, I you know, bring up the topo map first and see, well, you know, were they crossing here because it's you know a low spot in the road, or was it in you know in the bend or something like that? Um, and then I'll go from there and try to figure out, okay, if I was a deer crossing over right here, what what kind of travel would I be like? Is there, you know, a bluff right over here that I'm not going to you know go up and down, or is there, um, you know, what what kind of terrain funnels these deer a certain way? And then I'll look branch off from there and look for the best cover. Um, if it's a buck, you know, I'm looking for I really like terrain. I like, you know, elevation. I like a lot of quick elevation. Uh, I find most of the big bucks that I've seen, like in that, like all the sheds, all the big buck sheds I've ever found have been in like the highest elevation point in the surrounding area. Uh, so I'll look for elevation gain or just thick cover in general. So, Also, let me ask, when you have, if you're in an area, it's I guess it would be different if you were, hunting an area that you only have like say a weekend like you know quote-unquote weekend warrior working during the week but in some a lot of your situations because your work schedule you can hunt if you wanted to you could hunt monday through friday if you said screw work and you know as in like screw sleeping because you work weekends but you know say you can hunt tuesday through friday and you have multiple days back to back how much more does that information play a factor to like drive around these mornings multiple days in a row to try to pinpoint exactly like where is all these deer kind of going into, especially if you have a good idea of a certain area to focus on? Yeah, well, I have to do that because I don't have people bumping deer, you know, past me or anything. So I have to go and actively find the deer. They're not going to be coming to me, like especially after the weekend um, when everybody's been hunting. I mean, these deer are going to be locked down pretty tight. So uh, about the only time you're going to, you know, be seeing them crossing roads and stuff like that is going to be at that time in the morning um so what was the second part to that question well just like how important is it especially or how i guess uh maybe not important but how valuable is it when you have multiple days back to back that you can hunt like say three or four days back to back like if a guy was going on a short trip that he could drive these roads and like multiple mornings in a row confirm where are these deer crossing at and then most likely what habitat they're sticking to to focus their time on you know on this trip that they're hunting um i mean it's it's important i'm we're almost beating a dead horse but i would say like another thing that's 
really important is from driving around, especially not even during the during the night, but during the daytime, especially if it's been raining or anything, you can see like where people have been driving. Some roads are really, really worn worn out, so you can see that there's been a you know a good bit of traffic there. It might be something you you know you might want to avoid. Uh, you can definitely see like where people have been pulling off you know over the weekend. All that kind of stuff helps uh, me like when I'm going to those certain places. So things that I pay attention to. Yeah, that that is something that's in, you know we I've, I know we talked about before too. It's like figuring out where the hunting pressure's at. And yeah, that. because I don't know. Like mm-hmm. when everybody's there, I'm at work. So I, when I pull up to the WMA and it's empty, I don't know. I mean, there could have been ten trucks parked right here and been ten people in there hunting this one block of woods, and I don't know. Like. That's that's the one disadvantage. A lot of people think that hunting during the week is there's a lot of advantages, but there's a lot of disadvantages too because I don't know what kind of pressure is you know the area's been getting. So, when one thing I'm trying, to th- I know Dr. Chamberlain when we had him on during turkey season, he talked about this for turkeys with a GPS study or a bunch, quite a few GPS studies he's been a part of. Uh, but where the hunting pressure over the weekend would turn the gobblers like totally off like they would do something totally wild and then by like tuesday or wednesday of that week they'd get back to their normal patterns they'd be gobbling really heavy uh friday you know start to dwayne and the saturday it's like total shuts off yeah. uh totally changes patterns sunday the same thing monday they're kind of recovering tuesday like tuesday wednesday it's like a high rise and it gives it's visual podcast y'all can see my hands like it's rising pretty quickly on the activity and, and movement and just act, gobbling activity and then like plateaus like on a Wednesday, Thursday, and then starts to taper off and then drops really hard over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I can see like deer hunting in you know, some of these areas can be very similar, especially if you have a lot of, you know, guys hunting on weekends. Monday might be pretty rough. Tuesday getting a little bit better. By Wednesday, Thursday, you ought to be able to get on some deer that are just like doing their natural little pattern because they haven't been really pressured. Yeah, the ones that I've seen as far as deer goes uh, have been like Mondays are pretty much like your Sundays and Tuesdays are pretty much like your you know, Sundays and Mondays too, but then it starts going up. Things start getting back to normal, like around uh, Wednesday, and then Thursdays, like you're you're normal, you're back to normal. Friday's still pretty good, but then Saturday it drops really quick again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's something I guess interesting, especially if you're thinking of, you know, how you're going to plan your time hunting and everything else if you can't get out during the week. Yeah, I would definitely focus on the latter part of the week versus the first part of the week if if you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Andrew. Just now joined us back again. You know, a little, little bathroom break, man, doing his little thing. Um, do you have anything in regards to talking about – I was talking to Mike about this, but driving roads, cutting tracks, um, or in, anything in regards to that? Uh, I mean, not, not really. I mean, just the rainstorms, like you said, are a really good time to take advantage of it because uh, you can tell how fresh the tracks are. And then also I would say figure out what a big track is for your area because mm. – that's something is uh is like man when we go to some of these other places we hunt like all the tracks look big to me yeah uh, you know and you also <laughs> got to think about what kind of uh soil or dirt whether it's rocky and whether or not you know the deer was walking or whether he was like running and whether or not the ground was soft um from a rain because all of those affect how big that track is yep definitely yeah, and I'm not an expert on it by any means. No, but, but I can usually tell, like, oh, that's a big track, whether or not it was running or whether or not it was wet. So, <laughs> well, we'll say this: we are interviewing somebody who is an expert on that. 
who used that specifically to find, locate, and keep it with deer, um, you know, back in the day. Uh, so very excited to have that conversation. Hopefully, actually, that com- that that podcast we're, we're coming up on that time for that show. So I gotta I gotta reach back out and forget. Hopefully, that'll be out in the next coming, you know, next two maybe three weeks. So that'll be good. Ooh, be juicy. Good, juicy. Oh, that's the first time I um, said that today, man. Well, will we do that? <laughs> will we pull up those tracks? We need to see if he can pull up examples of size those tracks like what they look like with different weather conditions and maybe like uh you know different types of you know soil or whether or not it's rocky or whatever and pull up examples that way i'll text him and ask him if he has photos uh because one thing he told me was and andrew i know you said this too before but like you know grabbing a stick or something something that's like very measurable and like when you find that track break it off so it fits that track perfectly and then keep that little twig or stick or whatever you're using yep. with you. So, like, as you go, you're like, okay, so this is the same deer. And also, if it has any characteristics of, like, a, you know, crooked, you know, toe or something like that, mm-hmm. you can kind of keep up with that as well. But, yeah, that would be interesting. He's got photos of, like, truly big-bodied deer. Because his his idea is if it doesn't have a big track or, like, a big track, then most likely it doesn't have a big body. Most likely if it doesn't have a big body, it doesn't have the rack that he's trying to target. Um, is this a northeast hunter or is he southeast? Southeast. Good deal. Yep. Yeah, because there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely, definitely. Um, and I, like you said, it depends on your area because you know there are areas in Alabama that you can kill 220 to 230 pound deer, live weight, not dress weight. Um, there might be some areas you can kill one dressed like that. Uh, I would say I would want to see that deer in person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see it do that big. Yeah. But um, you know, a lot of bucks. You know, Michael Perry talked about his brother's 180, whatever he killed. Um. That was a small deer. Yeah, he was like 100. I think he said it was like 125 pounds or something like that. 130 pounds. It was like super small. And he said like it made the deer look even bigger because, I mean, it was like a tiny little body on him. And he was just like really run down and everything else. But, you know, just imagine that. You walk up to that thing. It's just nothing but bone on his head, dude. It's a giant (laughs) butt. And he only weighs 125 pounds. I mean, dude, you talk about like some freaking sticker shock. Yeah. That's what we said. We said if we went up to Iowa this year and killed a big buck. Yes. We're going to get it mounted on an Alabama-sized deer. <laughs> I, I told I told Wes and the and the guys, um, like Wes Wesley and uh, Jeremy and uh, uh, God, all the guys, Stevie, all all those dudes. Anyways, about um, yeah, if we go to Iowa and, and kill just like you know a decent buck, I'm like I'm probably leaving the Cape and just yeah, gonna get us an Alabama Cape. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just a mess with everybody. Mount them on a pronghorn uh, <laughs> antelope. <laughs> um, I did see one, though. I, I, I'm I'm probably not going to do that, but because um, I, I did see one at the deer show, the deer expo, and it was like a huge rack and a little skinny body, and it looked it was the ugliest looking little deer. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is like, you know, the, the characteristics, like we talked about that as well in the previous podcast is like, so many guys are like, man, I saw a 160. And I'm like, did you see a 160? Or did you see maybe like a 135-inch buck walking away through a pine thicket that might have only weighed 145, 150 pounds or 160 pounds? Mm-hmm. And it's like just his body looks so small, his rack looks ginormous, especially when you have like these real tall racks, like these like main beams that just kind of like go up and like kind of curve around. Yeah, you um, know that if they're looking as you head on and it looks big, then it probably really is big because yep. – they all look big, like when they're walking away. Yep. But oh if yeah. They're, if they're <laughs> oh yeah, face on, like they just they're not very impressive. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Andrew, any final thoughts? What you got? I got nothing. Patreon, YouTube, what you got, man? 
Patreon, YouTube, we've got stickers for sale now on the website. They're already live. They will have been live for, like, I don't know, five what days. St- what kind of stickers you got, man? You, you're terrible sales. Got some uh, die-cut stickers. This is, this is a video podcast. Oh, yeah. Here, <laughs> let me grab them real quick. Grab them, we got some of these. <laughs> Hold on, boys and girls. All right. All right. Oh, man. This, oh, this. nailed it. So we got some of those oh. big old transfer stickers, uh, and we got these die cut decal stickers they both look sharp you should get one absolutely yeah especially the transfer sticker look great in your truck so Mm -hmm. we just put one on mine yeah looks great it's awesome i'm glad we went with the white it looks really good on like the the window you know yeah so so yeah get the new stickers uh working on some other merchandise Uh, stay tuned for a uh, pre-sale coming out on shirts uh, we're about to get that up and running, and then those shirts should ship within from the day we do the pre-sale. Hopefully, within about two, two and a half weeks or so, shirts sh- should be shipping. Yep, um, that's right. So, I give you all a shout out there. Appreciate everybody that's been joining the Patreon. Uh, just appreciate everybody, all the support there. I know you guys have been really enjoying some of that content we're putting out for you guys. Also, some of the silly stuff as well, because the Patreon people see some stuff that you don't, you guys don't see on YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, none of that stuff. So it's, it's pretty entertaining. I think I think a lot of people, if you meet somebody that's on our Patreon account that's active on it, because we're constantly on there talking and commenting and posting and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it, it's quite entertaining. Uh, and of course, you know, a lot of cool GPS studies and these different maps that Andrew is putting together as well for us. Oh yeah. Um, um, but yeah, appreciate the support, Mike. You got any final thoughts, words? Oh yeah, I need to do reviews. That's my favorite part these let's, days. L- listen, <laughs> favorite part of the podcast is reading these new reviews and listen. And there's a bunch. Y'all been killing it, guys. Yeah, listen, I mean, straight up killing it. Absolutely. Oh man, I'm Andrew. Pull your phone out, son. Like I'm my a, phone may die before I even. No, we, get, we got my phone. It's all good. You can we can pass it back and forth. All right, dude. There's some great ones. I'm on gonna there. I'm gonna let y'all handle the reviews, Mike. Okay. Uh, like. All right. All right. You know, I I hear you. All right. Where are we at? Uh, Mike, where did we stop last time? Oh, God. I don't even know because we missed last week. Yeah. We on. got like 12 out of 10. Okay, okay. We got like 20 reviews to read off. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This uh, right here. So, this the August 1st one right there. When we start it up, uh, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. I'm just wanting to make oh, okay. sure. All right, so I'll, I'll kick us off with this one. This is uh, five stars, uh, con- uh, titles, great content from Mr. PVP. Found this podcast a few weeks ago. Love the way that you guys go into detail to put a picture in my head for the situation. Uh, started using some of these, uh, str- or, hold on, started using some of these strategies on my hunting club. Exclamation point. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm listen, I'm very excited for you guys that are listening to a podcast right now or watching that are going to be implementing some of these tips and tactics that you're hearing from different guests on the podcast when you're hunting this year. Last year, last two years, we've had a lot of listener success stories come in uh, where listeners have gone out, implemented tips and tactics from the show, killed nice bucks, and we've actually interviewed them. And we're going to actually start that up in probably mid-September. Uh, we've got quite a few guys last year that we never got to interview, and I'm very excited about seeing some of these new listener success stories come in this year. So if you have had success in the past using tips and tactics from the podcast, shoot us a message, let us know. We'll get you on that list. Uh, and you can send us some photos too. And then also for this fall, Y'all go out there and have success. Let us know. Send us some photos, and we'll hopefully we can interview you as well in the Southern Outdoorsman for a listener success story. All right, so the next one is from Woodcock Getter. It says, great, 12 out of 10. 
five stars, baby. All right, and this next one, I'm not even going to go into this person's name. It's MD something, a bunch of numbers. Uh, these guys are my favorite podcast, five stars, and he just put five stars. So, super easy. All right, Mike, next one. Uh, let's see here. This is a long one. This is by Sass Staff. Uh, BBD this fall, thanks to y'all. Found this podcast two, three months ago and was immediately hooked. Been searching for a good hunting podcast for a while, and this scratches the itch. I'm a Tennessee uh, boy working on a ranch in Colorado all summer and put y'all on almost every day. Mondays have turned into my favorite day of the week. Every episode makes me ready to get home and schlump some deer this fall. Uh, y'all keep up the good work. Caleb. Awesome. All right. This one right here is hilarious. <laughs> Did you see this one? Yeah, it just gets the next one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ric Flair one. <laughs> All right, so this is from uh, – this is five stars, and the title is the 16th time heavyweight champion, and it's from Hitman121. Uh, this is the Ric Flair of hunting podcast for whitetail – or for turkeys and whitetails in the southeast. Quote simply, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Nice. I'm not listening now. That's it. All right, the next one, yours is a bigger phone than mine. What does it say? Wired, wired to Southern Outdoorsman Podcast? Yeah, well, Wired to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. All right, this is uh, from Texas Tyne Chaser. Between the last and poking fun of the old ginger bow hunter to the dive deep tactics, uh, it makes it one of the best. The guys do a great job of explaining multiple ways to think of hunting the animal we love and wait so long to hunt. Uh, it's never just to go to the field edge or go to the food source, but more on why uh, would this field edge be good for this day. They don't leave any question unanswered and will make sure to ask the uh, guests the best questions to help the listeners succeed in this sport we enjoy so much. Keep up the good work, guys, and can't wait for the episodes to come out into the season. To come into the season. Beautiful. Hey, Hooked on Fox worked for me. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is uh, Five Stars. Uh, Have You Been Spying on Me is the title, and it's from Gator Dwayne. All right. I just listened to episode 268, uh, which is our first GPS study episode, uh, and feel like y'all been spying on me. I hunt a lease in Georgia with 40 members on 3,000 acres. I feel like there is more pressure than a lot of uh, – uh, more pressure than a lot of on the public land. Tree stands everywhere. Uh, most are on the roads, food plots, or uh, can at least be seen from the road. Um, most of all, most all members hunt the same stand or two stands uh, all the time. The deer definitely have patterned them. Uh, they are they get them on camera, but suddenly uh, see those big deer unless it's during the rut. I scout the area several hundred yards away in thickets or in the swamps uh, where these uh, deer hang out, and before dark or hang out before dark. And uh, before they head to the bait station. I'm sorry, dude. Hooked on Phonics worked for Yeah, you. Uh, Hooked on Phonics didn't work for either no. one of us tonight. Oh, man. I swear it did. Uh, I killed a big deer uh, last I killed a big deer last November um, that everyone had night pictures of, but had not seen in the daylight. I've been listening to you guys for about six months, and when I travel for work, I catch up on all the new episodes. And now he's got a question for us. I hear you guys talk about on the. Uh, I hear you guys talk about hunting thickets all the time. I hunt those thickets. I hunt those. Thi oh goodness gracious! <laughs> you can do it. I hunt those <laughs> nasty areas too. Question: 
How many steps into the woods does it take? Uh, does it take you boys to start bleeding like a stuff or stuck po- stuck hog? <laughs> like a stuck hog and cursing briars and uh, bushes, uh, dude. First off, for me, uh, I'd say within at least thirty yards. <laughs> All right, five stars, fellas. Keep doing what you're doing, which is not reading these reviews correctly. Oh no! Listen, hey, hey, look, you get it. It's your it's your favorite bud. You see the real bud? PK. <laughs> <laughs> is this the real PK? Yeah, it is. I talked to him. <laughs> okay. So he's actually answering a question. So this remember the guy that talked about like speaking the language that you read? Mm. So this is okay. this is his rebuttal. rebuttal. Yes, this is okay. Rebuttal. It says uh, you're <laughs> you're speaking the language, but you didn't say it all. You left her wanting <laughs> you left her wanting more because you didn't find the back wall. Hashtag big buck bangers. <laughs> <laughs> so that was from a review from uh, two weeks ago, guys uh, from. Uh, it's a NC Jeeps, Jeep Hunters review. Yeah, but that's from that's from PK. That's awesome. All right, this is a uh, Seek One, five stars, and this is from uh, X. I don't know how to say that guy's name. How would you say that? How would you say that, Mike? You don't know? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, awesome content, y'all. Uh, y'all should get Seek One on the podcast for us Georgia hunters. Might we try to work something like that in in the future. Maybe it's a bonus episode, something like that. Got that episode with BJ. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, next one. There, uh, there's so many new reviews, dude. I Holy know, dude. Crap. Uh, best of the best. This is by Levi Myers. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> We're folks somewhere. One of the best podcasts out there for any outdoorsman. Doesn't matter if you've never hunted or have hunted your whole life. These guys will help you out. All right. This uh, next review, five stars, awesomeness. From Big Belly Bucks. I can get along with this guy. Been listening to the podcast since 2019 or longer. But this is truly the best hunting podcast of them all. Of all time. <laughs> I'm mad living, bro. <laughs> Jake is going to put words in y'all's mouths. Uh, the next one is titled Number One. And this is by The Dr. Dell. Not Dr. Dell, but The Dr. Dell. This is the best uh, podcast to listen to for uh, from laughs to killer hunting tactics. I'm slowly implemented. I've slowly implemented. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hooked on fongs didn't work for you either. Yeah, that tequila <laughs> sure did, though. Um, <laughs> I've slowly implemented some of these tactics last fall, and I can't wait to really dive deep into more of them this fall. Keep up the great work. Everybody watching the video podcast, this is the hand signal for dive deep. Right there. Right there. You can see it on my shirt. Dive deep. All right. Last but not least, this is the review I've been wanting to read all week. Five stars. Title says, had to. This is from me, the queen. I got to figure out who this is. We need to send this guy a sticker. Uh, well, it's his girlfriend that wrote the review. I know. We need to send him a sticker because he made her do it. Okay. Well, anyways, my boyfriend <laughs> said I had to give five stars since y'all keep him sane. <laughs> I mean, it. we could send her a sticker, too. I mean, I'm good with that. She's rocking the decal. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Me, me the queen. Everybody go get your girlfriends or wives. <laughs> Or boyfriends or whatever. Let's make like, a, go get your significant other to leave us a review and let's, subscribe. Let's, let's make it a competition. Like, uh, I want some like I want some funny reviews, man. Yeah. Like, like the one from a uh, NC uh, Jeep Hunter. Like the one talking about like you know speaking the language. Like, dude, that was hilarious. So <laughs> we're gonna get some. We're gonna be fighting over who who has to read it. 
<laughs> keep it hey, keep it PG for real. Like, don't yeah. don't don't get all don't get don't get don't get crazy. Don't get vulgar and don't crazy. Get weird. Yeah, but keep it PG. But yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, get your get your wives get your wives or fiancés or girlfriends, whoever, write a review, but make it from her perspective of why she's having to write the review. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. But. Or maybe from her point of view of how much you might enjoy the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> She has this. She has to speak in your voice while she's writing this. It's like how you would do it. Your excitement level every time you listen to Southern Outdoors on a Monday morning, picking up the kids from school and just like the kids come home. Well, we learned how to kill big bucks today, Mom. We learned all about J hooks and thermals. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about speaking the language, Mom. I learned what a back wall is. <laughs> Oh God! It's not a bad thing as long as you're not taking PKs reviews back wall. You'd be good. You'd be good. Awesome. All right. Appreciate everybody that's been watching this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening to this podcast as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tune in uh, again. Monday's episode coming out. New episodes every single Monday. Uh, make sure you tune in for future episodes as well with Bill. Hope you all enjoyed. Let us know. You can shoot us an email. Um, if you have any other questions about what's been discussed this week on the podcast or in this outro, uh, you can shoot us an email on our contact page at the website, which is the Southern Outdoors Men, M-E-N, Mike, dot com. Uh, on our contact page, let us know what questions you have. Uh, but other than that, appreciate y'all's support. Appreciate everybody joining the Patreon. And y'all have a great week. And we'll see you back here next Monday for the next episode of the Southern Outdoors Men podcast. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about uh, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.